Welcome to Fragmented, Redefining Womanhood. We are redefining womanhood one step and one story at a time. For those who can identify with the stay-at-home mom, the working woman, the budding or burnt-out entrepreneur, the transitioning or transitioned female, this podcast was designed and built to support and provide community for women from all walks of life. A place to provide peace, solace, and healing. A place where you can truly and authentically be you. Welcome, welcome. Welcome, guys. Thanks for joining us again. So this is like our third time recording Mm -hmm. or something like that. And we've got to listen to a couple of our episodes on Spotify. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts so far? We've been getting a lot of feedback, which is good. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I think uh, the topics that we're touching base on, I've had a lot of people reach out and say, oh my goodness, I can completely identify with that. And that's really awesome. And thank you guys so much for bringing that up. Um, So with that being said, if there's any topics anyone wants to bring up or talk about, please, um, by all means, drop it. Drop a comment in the Facebook or the Instagram. Um, and just so you know who's talking, this is Pecky Foot. We didn't introduce ourselves. I know. Oh, we didn't. Uh, pronouns I'm, are she, her. And I'm Sarah Jane. Pronouns are she, her. Okay. So, um, yeah, I think that I, I love the feedback that we've been getting, guys. Keep, yeah. it, keep it coming. Yeah. Um, what do you think, Sarah? No, I think it's everything. been, yeah, I think it's going really well. I think um, I've been wanting to do this for so long and we've been talking about doing it for months now. So it's, mm-hmm. it's nice to do it. It's so weird to like see my picture on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Like when the, um, when it comes up, it comes up in my like, you know, you should listen to it, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really nice. And I, it's been very um, cathartic in a way. Like mm-hmm. there's a difference between, like we said yesterday, there's a difference between like when we're recording it, I feel like we're getting so much out of it and talking about subjects that have been really hard. And then when I listen to it, it's like, I learn a bunch of new things about mm-hmm. myself and, um, uh, a lot of takeaways. It's been, there's been a lot, like since the last week that we did the motherhood episode, there's been a lot of self-reflecting and mm-hmm. a lot of moments of like, wow, I should really makes me like makes me think on things a little bit harder also reflection yes also like our so our topic today is self-acceptance and Mm self-awareness um and I wanted to talk about that because or like in in attributes to hearing myself (laughs) having a podcast has made me have to accept a lot of the things about my voice the way that I talk um a lot of things that I didn't realize I wasn't really the hugest fan of, I guess. Um, I feel like I, the first few times we called each other and we were like, oh my gosh, do I really sound like that? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I say like a lot or absolutely. Um, and this is totally random, but when I was listening back the last time, I so I've always been a mouth breather and it's something I'm extremely self-conscious about. Um, and I feel like it's because of all the doctors and the dentists that were like, oh, you breathe through your mouth, don't you? Mm. Uh, whatever. <laughs> is that like a bad thing? Like, I, I don't know. Is that like a negative treat? Um, that's part of the reason why I snore. I, I think that's another reason too. So I'm a really big snorer and I always have been because I'm a mouth breather and I'm overweight. Mm-hmm. That's always what the doctors say. So like when I remember like when I was dating and if I would like spend the night at a guy's house, I was always like super, okay, well, if this guy can put up with me snoring, it's meant to be. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Set um, the bar high. I know. I know. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so anyway, like I could hear myself like breathing in the last episode. I, I, I that's all I could hear, and I was like freaking out. I was like, I actually cried about it. I was like, Oh my god, I just um, whatever. Um, and I like had Mark listen to it. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. 
I don't hear that. And I'm like, oh, okay. Isn't it so interesting that things that we're so self-conscious about are like things that people probably don't even notice. And I think everyone is so self-conscious about their own stuff that there's no more room to recognize anyone else's self-conscious stuff. It's like, I'm so focused on what I'm feeling self-conscious about that I don't even notice like other people's stuff. Um, But anyway, I think that brings us back to the topic of self-acceptance, which is, can you accept that you breathe through your mouth in your podcast, Sarah? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It's like, I, yeah. And I, that's been the hardest part of this journey that I've been on. Um, in the last few years, honestly, since COVID started, if COVID's done one good thing, I think for me personally, it's that it's made me acutely self-aware of a lot of things in my life that I was not willing to accept because I had to slow down. Like, and it started when quarantine started, like, cause we had to, we had to take a pause. There was no, like, I couldn't stay busy anymore to ignore the things that I was doing mentally, emotionally, physically to myself. Mm-hmm. One of them being my eating disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, it made me super, super self-aware and like to accept those parts of myself. Cause the only way I can truly love myself to love someone else is if I can accept those pieces of myself mm-hmm. that I never could before. Mm-hmm. Like I can't change the fact that I'm a mouth breather. What am I going to do? Like tape my mouth shut. Is there reconstructive something we can do about that? Probably. Like, I mean, I got my tonsils out and everything. <laughs> so <laughs> priorities. Um, so yeah, no, I, so actually the, the definition of self-acceptance um, is an individual's acceptance of all his or hers in our case, hers, Mm -hmm. (laughs) woman's podcast, um, attributes positive and negative Mm -hmm. or negative. Mm -hmm. Um, so accepting all the above. So like, can we look at ourselves, be self-aware, um, and be like, be self-aware enough to be able to see what our positive and negative traits are, Mm -hmm. um, and then be able to do something about them. Mm -hmm. So like that for me, um, looking at some of the negative things, um, part of the reason I shy away from that. Cause I'm like, Oh, if I'm looking at like something that's not serving me or not working anymore, it means like I'm doing something wrong or I'm doing something bad. And that's not what I believe it means. Um, so for me, the, the traits that no longer serve me or the traits that no longer get me the results that I want, like those negative self-sabotaging traits that I have are traits that I learned, um, as survival mechanisms in my life. Um, throughout different situations. And so I've like taken on and adapted these these negative traits um, as a way to cope or survive in a dysfunctional atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, um, with that, being able to look at that and saying like, okay, like that doesn't serve me anymore. Mm-hmm. I am no longer in that situation. Um, but being able to look at that mm-hmm. is like really, like, like really look at it. So like, and I also don't think it's something that for me personally, I can look at alone. It's something that I need to have a network of people to walk through with. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that that's something that we're meant to do alone. So whether you're in a 12 step program or you just have really close girlfriends that you can trust and are trustworthy, or if you have a therapist or whatever or you partner. have, yeah. or your partner, if you have a safe partner that you can, yeah. um, you know, feel like you can share some of those positive and negative things with, but like, so it's not self-acceptance is not, Oh, do you accept me? Cause then if you accept me, then I accept me too. Okay, cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, that's yeah. not what it is. No. It's like that complete undeniable. I see who I, it's the relationship I have with myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody has a relationship with their self, with mm-hmm. themselves and my relationship with myself, um, 
I know this might sound ass backwards, but it's my relationship with myself before my relationship with other people. Yeah. Including my partner. But why does it sound ass backwards? Because it's not. But It's not. Right. But I think society and lots of other mm-hmm. facets will tell us that we need to give, 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 give. And then um, whatever you have left over for yourself. Cool. Um, but Wait, is it we have to give, give, give? Or women have to give, give, give? Oh. So I think both. Mm-hmm. But I think specifically more towards women. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're kind of taught that we're supposed to like give up parts of ourselves to take care of others. Like Mm -hmm. our job is is a caretaker of a household, Mm -hmm. of our children, Mm -hmm. of other people around us. Mm -hmm. Like it's like literally ingrained in us. Yeah, we're supposed to worry about other people's emotional. So if we're so worried about other people's emotional well being, um, where is there room for us to worry about our own Mm -hmm. emotional well being? Um, and I think one of the greatest things that a partner can do is to support someone no matter what decisions that they're making. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously if they're making decisions that are harming them physically, mentally, spiritually, all those things. Yeah, no. Um, but I think being in a relationship with someone who is so accepting mm-hmm. of the decisions that I'm, so it doesn't always, my partner doesn't always like the decisions that I'm making, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but being supportive and liking are two different things. Yes. Um, but I, for me, I don't need my partner or anybody else to approve of what I'm doing. Um, I need to accept the consequences for what I choose to do. Yeah. Good and bad. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely, that's definitely self-acceptance. Mm-hmm. is you know, a level of a level of it yeah mm-hmm. and I think as someone who's always been codependent and a people pleaser what you just said sounds absolutely terrifying mm-hmm. like what do you mean because like, it is it is <laughs> yeah and I think being uh, like aware of the the toxic parts of yourself because everybody has their own toxic traits everybody mm-hmm. you know um some people have a lot more than others which makes them a tox- toxic person mm-hmm. um but not everybody has like even the happiest kindest people have parts of themselves that aren't great you know Mm -hmm. and that's something that you're always working on but if you're um aware of those things and you're willing to work through those things there's one thing to be aware there's another thing to be aware and actually do the work Mm. so like awareness and action yeah um but i also think too like when you're looking at the whole picture right so you're looking at your assets and your negative uh traits right Mm -hmm. i hate to call them defects i know in 12-step groups they call them you know assets and defects like if you're doing this fourth step you know um you're gonna take a personal inventory of your stuff um and so they say to list your assets and your defects um i shy away from using the word defect because i for me it just is a very triggering word so i call it my character traits unwanted character traits what do you call it sarah my toxic traits. your toxic traits whatever verbiage you use it's like the same thing but my point is is that when you're looking at the whole picture i think it's really important to look at your assets as well as the traits that you no longer want or no longer Mm -hmm. serve you but I've also found in doing that there's this duality where it's like your your best assets are also your worst defects Mm -hmm. I love that so much right so it's like you know it's anything that's done in an extreme Mm -hmm. so like yeah I'm really driven Mm -hmm. I always have been Mm -hmm. but if that energy 
is based out of fear, my drive Mm -hmm. will go all over the place and it will be misguided. Mm -hmm. But if my driven is based out of um, faith and peace and contentment, Mm -hmm. and then that, then that will serve me. So, you know, the difference between the two, I'm I'm sure. Can you see the difference between? Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think every trait has some sort of like positive and negative in in some way. Mm -hmm. Um, It's interesting because I recently realized in the last few years that I am an empath empath meaning that I very much take on the emotions of the people around me mm-hmm. um, and I'm very self-aware of other people's emotion but that was built in trauma like being an empath was built in trauma and having to be acutely aware of what everyone around me was feeling in order mm-hmm. to like change and manipulate my behavior mm-hmm. um, to either avoid an abusive parental person or whatever mm-hmm. like I would have to judge someone's day like somehow someone was acting after their day in order to change my behavior to not receive abuse so that judgment then probably followed you into adulthood right Mm -hmm. and I'm sure in some ways in adulthood it serves you because I think Mm -hmm. that as humans we judge like I think that word judgment is not has a really negative connotation but it also Mm -hmm. can be you know taking someone's inventory and being like okay like is this someone that I want to participate and have in my life or is this someone you know maybe not so much so I think that there's like a level of like inventory and judgment that we're always doing Mm -hmm. so that judgment served you as a Mm -hmm. child because it helped keep you from abusive situations so how as an adult do you think that it serves you and doesn't serve you? That's a good question. Um, I definitely think it served me in understanding relationships and dynamics with people more. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely doesn't serve me because I feel like I'm allowing my thoughts and feelings to control some situations. The problem is, is like that portion of being an empath. So that part that like I can literally sense someone like I very much can sense energies in a room 100 mm-hmm. percent mm-hmm. would you say that you're an empath in my life? absolutely okay so I can definitely sense energies in a room which I think I definitely think helps with my career with what I do um also like all that stuff um but I also think that sometimes I use that judgment to to misjudge people I think is, mm-hmm. a, is a good way to say it but also it makes me put a wall up faster mm. uh in certain situations and I think until I really understood the power of knowing and feeling energies and actually understanding where it was coming from and it was like not just a survival mechanism like in the beginning uh judging what was going on and how people were feeling was legit survival for me when Mm -hmm. I was a kid it was Mm -hmm. like I need to know how this person is feeling so I know how to act myself but when I became an adult and it was still in a survival mode Um, it was me constantly changing my behavior, which was me trying to almost manipulate a situation to have control. But I think Mm -hmm. that's the hardest part about being an empath in in some ways. If you don't see it for what it is and understand that it can be a toxic trait, you're still trying to gain control of a situation because it was still in the survival Mode. Mm-hmm. In the realm of survival, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. So I, I'm identifying with the judgment piece. Um, I think that's just like one we're kind of honing in on at the moment. Um, but for me, the judgment um, as, as an adult, mm-hmm. um, I think for what you're saying about as a child, you know, kind of sensing, reading the room, if you will, yeah. um, to kind of know what you're going to be getting into. 
Um, but as an adult, the judgment went within mm-hmm. self-judgment, mm-hmm. judging the crap out of myself. Oh, yeah. So like before anybody else could judge me, because I, I have been judged a lot in my life. Um, yeah. So before anybody else could judge me, I would judge myself. And it was a very self-sabotaging. I think that there's a difference between self-evaluation, looking at who you are, looking at your pros and cons, you know, mm-hmm. like what we were talking about before. And then completely judging yourself yeah. for being innately who you are. Yeah. Um, and that's where it becomes toxic and self-sabotaging. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm like, Sarah and I are sitting here looking at each other, like speaking into the mics and we're like, so intense. Right I know. Now. <laughs> we're just like, um, I feel like this is a topic. Um, we never really know where, you, you know, the road is going to go when we start doing mm-hmm. these podcasts. Like we kind of have some topics and bullet notes and then we're just kind of like, where is this, you know? going to lead us. Um, but I did want to kind of bring us back to self-acceptance and I do have some bullet notes that I do want to address because I think that they're relevant. Um, and I think that they help, um, like asking questions Mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, get the ball rolling. So what is the difference between self-esteem and self-acceptance? I feel like I'm being quizzed. All right. (laughs) It's okay. Um, so self-esteem I would say is your own self, like self-perception and um, acceptance of food. Well, no, that doesn't make sense. Self-esteem is almost like a daily inventory mm-hmm. of emotions where self-acceptance is more like, uh, seeing th- parts of who you are and who you are and being okay with them and accepting them and accepting them. Mm-hmm. I was trying not to be redundant. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm, not going to be as free bird as you and I'm going to actually read what's on my screen yeah, right now. Okay. Um, it's not fair. You're cheating on the test. <laughs> <laughs> so self-esteem refers to how you feel about yourself, whether you feel, whether you feel you are generally good, worthwhile, and valuable. While self-acceptance is simply acknowledging and accepting that you are who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some things that I feel like have been really hard for me to accept. Um, about myself. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to share some. Mm-hmm. Mm. So hold on a second. Mm-hmm. So self-acceptance is literally just plain and simple. You're looking at who you are and you're like, this is who I am. Yep. And self-esteem is like, this is who I am. Do I see value in that? That's how I read it. Okay. So like, I just wanted to kind of break that down more. Mm-hmm. Like self-esteem is a feeling mm-hmm. and acceptance is a fact. Oh, yeah. So like, I think acceptance is more of like a verb, mm-hmm. right? So it's like acceptance is actually like something that you're doing mm-hmm. actively. Like you need to actively do it. Mm-hmm. It's not just a passive thing. It's like something that requires some effort. Um, whereas self-esteem, you're, I agree with you, is more of like um, a feeling or like, you know, a way of comparing ourselves to like other people yeah or like like where am I in this round like so I'm in a room of people and my self-esteem is based off my judgments of myself and other people yeah right is that kind of like aligned with what you mean yeah yeah yeah. like it's like a it's a feeling I Mm -hmm. feel that I am this way and I value myself here but that feelings are not facts no right and then so it's like a it's literally like esteem is like a daily inventory of all the different aspects that lead up to why you're feeling the way that you're feeling whereas self-acceptance is like no this is just who this is who you are period Mm -hmm. like unconditionally this is who you're gonna be Mm -hmm. and and and, and being okay with it Mm -hmm. and saying okay yeah and then being the okay with it part yes (laughs) 
<laughs> so I think um, we can definitely get into like how to accept ourselves. Yeah. And like, and I definitely don't think it's like an overnight thing. It's a journey and yeah. it's a constant journey. We talk about that all the time. There's no end date. There's no graduation. There's no, no any of those things. Um, but for me, self-acceptance, I think was really difficult because um, the, the household that I grew up in. I love my family dearly. Um, and they are of a particular faith. And I think that that faith serves them well. They love it. But from a really young age, I did not, um, have those same belief systems. And so I wanted to, cause I'm like, well, what's wrong with me? Like, why can't I share these same belief systems as everybody else, everybody around me, like my friends that I was like, you know, in church with and all that, that seemed to be enjoying it. <laughs> and I'm like, why am I so different? Why am I so different? Why can't I just believe this? And so, and then I had kind of gotten in and out of the faith in my teenage years and then I was out of it. And then, um, in my adult years, I had gone back to it cause I was kind of on this like self-discovery, spiritual finding God journey. And, um, I went back to it and it was still the same feelings that I had when I was younger, but I was able to see it from an adult perspective. And I just simply don't share the same belief system. Mm -hmm. So it's, I think it's really difficult for me to accept who I am and accept that I don't share the same belief system as my family. Um, that's really hard mm -hmm. for me because I, remember trying to, I remember trying to like morph and chameleon myself and like do all the things that I was supposed to do so that I would feel the mm -hmm. same way, mm -hmm. but I just never did. It mm -hmm. didn't work for me. So my spiritual path and the higher power of my understanding and all of those things, um, came to me in a very different form in my life. Um, but I had to accept that about myself, that I was not going to be like everybody else in that way, mm -hmm. you know, um, we're similar in other ways, but in that way, um, I needed to accept that within myself before I could expect anybody else to accept it. Cause whether or not anybody else accepts it about me, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Um, I need to accept it within myself, um, first and foremost. And so if anybody does come from, you know, a really strong driven faith background, whether it's Judaism, Catholicism, um, you know, whatever, uh, Buddhism, you know, where your family, Buddhism, Buddhism, <laughs> that sounds more like a YouTube video, I know, Buddhism. <laughs> I was thinking more like, you know, rap video. That's what I was thinking yeah. too. I'm like, uh, That's rewind. Cool. Can I be um, a part of that Buddhism? <laughs> I think you already are. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, so I think that anyone that comes from like a strong faith background and mm -hmm. you don't share that with your family, that can be a really difficult thing. Um, or it can be the opposite. Like say you do find, mm -hmm. you know, a religious faith, but your family, it's not the same as your family's or something like that. But my point is, is that, um, it's really hard to accept yourself when you feel like other people aren't accepting you. Yeah. I mean, how long do you think it took you, um, just to, to actually accept yourself when you were, at, became to the realization that you were not the person that, you know, everyone else was. Can you repeat the question? <laughs> how, do, how long do you think it took you to get to a point to actually self-accept that you were not the person that everyone around you was? Oh, I, I think it's still an ongoing process. Mm -hmm. I, and that's why I said acceptance is an active verb. It's mm -hmm. something we continuously do. It's not something that we just all of a sudden one day look at like all of the stuff on our plate also too, cause we're continuously changing. Right. Yeah. So like, you know, maybe something was an asset yesterday that now no longer serves and it's, it's a defect now. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but how long, I think your question was really in regards to like a timeline. And I think I've come a lot 
come along a lot further. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think I still have a little bit of a ways to go, but I definitely think that I'm in a place now of peace and contentment with it. Mm -hmm. Whereas it took me a really long time to get there to a place of peace and contentment with it because I was so mad at myself and judging myself so harshly because I was not what everybody else thought I should be or wanted me to be. And so I was judging myself so harshly. Um, and that's not because anybody else is doing anything right or wrong. That's, that's irrelevant. That's not the point. Um, the point is about accepting who we are coming to terms with who we are, um, and being okay with it and being okay. And now, so what does being okay with it mean for me? Being okay with it is just having a feeling of peace around it. Mm -hmm. It's just a feeling of contentment and peace and just like, oh, I can look at it and be like, look at that piece of myself and just be like, yeah, I feel good about that. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just a feeling. I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, I think one of my biggest pieces of my self-acceptance journey myself was realizing that mine is my own and not someone else's. Um, because. I, I, as a woman and as a a raised Christian woman, and, um, I always had to, to, I was supposed to be like a certain way. I was supposed to look a certain way. I was supposed Mm -hmm. to be a certain way. I was supposed to do certain things, but like accepting that I, I can have a journey that's mine and I can do things that feel good to me. It's not bad. Mm -hmm. Like it's not a bad thing. Um, that was a long time coming for me. Because mm-hmm. I was, I just kept trying to morph and to be and to do all of the things that I was told I was supposed to be and do, and it just wasn't matching up. Um, which can we? I'm I'm gonna do it, Becky. I'm, I'm about to go on the patriarchy rant. Okay, everybody, put your seatbelts on. <laughs> um, I am going to get my my cup of Joe here and my water <laughs> and just sit back. Um, <laughs> I feel like we should have like intro music. I know. Like Sarah's, I am literally placing the box under her feet as we speak, the soapbox. But okay, I, let's hear it, Sarah. Let's, I want to, we want to hear it. Okay. So to be fair, like I didn't understand a lot of this, this portion of like, um, the patriarchy, I guess, into the last few years. So this is all very new to me. So, but realizing that so much of what we are as a woman is ingrained into, um, man's thoughts on who we were supposed to be from the very, very, from the beginning. Like, let's be real. So anyway, um, so I've been rewatching Bridgerton and also Downton Abbey. Um, and if you've never watched those are on Netflix, you should watch them. They're amazing. And they're all shows that are taking place in like the late 1800s, early 1900s in England, London. Um, they are with, you know, more prominent families. So I think that their life is different than anyone that's like middle class or, you know, but anyway, like a lot of the story is about women and their virtue and their value and their worth, which is completely wrapped around a man's idea of who women are, um, which their value is found in their virginity and their ability to bear children and to have children. And, and that's who you're supposed to be. <clears throat> that's literally their whole life. They talk about in Bridgerton, the whole, like the entire, um, all the women in the cast talk about how my what am I supposed to do if I don't want to have children or get married and have a husband or like the girl is 16 and she's being presented into the engagement season. Um, and this is the most, and she says at some point, like, this is what I've been like, this is what I've been trained for my entire life was to be a lady and dainty and perfect and not seem untouched. Um, and what happens if I, 
get married and I, and I bear children with this person who I don't actually love, but it's being set up for me and I'm not happy. It doesn't matter because our opinion, their opinion didn't matter then. Anyway, I digress from that, but that was like what, a hundred, 150 years ago. And I, mm-hmm. and I feel like that misogyny is still within women's culture um, of being able to accept ourselves. Like we're told from a young age that we're supposed to fit into a box that we're supposed to keep quiet. That, um, do you ever notice how many times you apologize? Oh, that's something I've become really aware of and I don't do nearly as much as I used to, but that is something that drives me crazy when I hear other women do it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh Like almost like they're, I'm sorry for existing. That's me. That's I'm, I still do that. I'm very aware that I do it, but I definitely apologize a lot. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm walking in the mall and a man is coming the same way as I am and I, I don't, I step out of the way for him. Why do I do that? Mm. ingrained it's just ingrained mm-hmm. anyway so what, what I'm saying it's been ingrained to society into the belief system that women are inferior to men and then like we're supposed to be smaller and we're supposed to be the mother and bearing children and, and you know like we're not supposed to really have any thoughts or, of our own I don't think and a lot of the thoughts I think that we've all always had have been somehow solicited by a man mm-hmm. and even the women in my life that were helping me navigate through, you know, my childhood, my womanhood, like understanding, like in the beginning, like youth group was such a huge part of my life when I was a kid growing up, which is, was just leaking in purity culture, um, <clears throat> which was taught by a man, but also the women of the youth group were taught by men too. And like, we were supposed to be pure. I signed a purity pledge when I was 13. Um, like Do you all, think you knew what that was when you were 13? No, no freaking idea. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Like I knew that that's what I was supposed to do. I even got a promise ring. Like that I was going to save myself from marriage to my, save my virtue for my husband. But when you get married, make sure that like you're a freak in the sheets. Cause like men have urges, like mm-hmm. all of that stuff. Like a lot of like, and that's a whole topic for another thing that a lot of like my own shame and my own value that I saw myself as, I only saw value in myself as a woman if I was pleasing a man by marrying him and bearing his children. And like, I always shrink myself around men. I still find myself doing this. It's very irritating. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've gotten a lot stronger and because I'm more self-aware, but everything almost in woman society is completely <laughs> guided by men. Mm-hmm. Like beauty, the beauty industry and um, the diet culture. <laughs> Oh, the diet culture. Like, yeah. And so much of my self-acceptance was around my eating disorder and like accepting that I am a plus size woman. I, I'm, I will probably tell you that I'm 36 years old. I weigh 255 pounds. I am fat girl and I love it. Like I will tell people, <laughs> thank you. Woo! I have no problem saying it. And it took me a long time to get there. And the only way that I was able to like break up with diet culture and to do and become the person that I am was accepting all of those things are okay. Like I'm beautiful. Like I'm not, I, I hate when I say to people like, well, I just feel fat or I'm plus size. Like, but you're beautiful. No, I'm fucking beautiful anyway. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Like just because I'm fat doesn't mean, you know, whatever. Um, and I say the word fat, not to offend anyone. I'd say it for myself because I'm taking the word back because I no longer will let that word. Like it's a descriptor. I'm mm-hmm. fat period. Anyway, Um, so a lot of my acceptance journey and throughout all of this becoming more of a feminist and realizing that so much of the culture that, and and the way that I was shrinking myself and doing all the things I was supposed to do. And I say that in quotes, 
was because it was started by a man somewhere at some point that said that we were supposed to look a certain way, weigh a certain way, do certain things to please them. Mm -hmm. In the end, it was always for that. Um, so. Wow. That was like, can we get a round of applause for like (laughs) Sarah's soapbox for it? I think we should have an intro and outro music. I'm just saying. Um, so <laughs> we should we should totally have like intro music for like when Sarah's gonna get in her soapbox. We'll be like, and right. now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but all that to say, like, um, what was happening was in my life, I was doing all the things I was supposed to do by all the people that told me I was supposed to do. Like, I was gonna get married and have kids, and that I was gonna be happy. I was gonna be happy. It was gonna be great. So I'm 19. I got pregnant out of marriage, out of out of marriage, which was you know a huge faux pas, whatever. Um, and then I get married to like I get pressured to get married by like my family and everyone around me because I it was not okay for my child to not have a father. So I get married, and then I'm miserable. Well, yeah, I wasn't happy. I didn't actually like love this person. It was just like a convenience thing. Talk about 1800s. Um, Anyway, I got a divorce. And then like, I'm like, I'm doing the single thing and I'm going to be a single mom. And I'm going to like, it's totally fine. I'm happy. I'm going to be a single mom. I'm going to like climb the corporate ladder. It's all going to be great. Um, You're going to get paid like, you know, 20% less than everybody else, even though you have the biggest store in in the state, everything like you're going to do all the thing. And I did, I did all the stuff. Um, and then I was happy at that moment. And then I get married again because I'm supposed to, supposed to get married to someone that wants to take care of me and my children, because that is my job. Um, whether they fit the, whether they fit the, um, job description or not. Right. It's fine. Like he's a nice person and he has money and he's going to take care of you. Like I still remember having these conversations like with my mom, like he's a nice guy and he's going to take care of you and that's what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And I was young. I was 24, I think when I met my second husband. Um, and I was, and I had a four year old and it was just, I was, I was doing all the things that I was supposed to do. Right. Everyone was talking. Checklist. I was doing it and I was fine. And we were going to have babies together and I was going to be a stay home mom. It was going to be so great. I was going to accept it because I was doing everything everyone's going to tell me to do. And then I'm sitting in it and I'm like, why am I not happy? Mm. Like, why am I not feeling like this is okay? Like, this just doesn't feel right. But then I started questioning it. But then I, because I've been just bombarded my whole life that I'm not supposed to question it. You're just supposed to like doing this thing because you're supposed to be this big and fit inside of this box. And if you think that you don't fit inside that box and you start questioning it, then you're going to lose value and worth as a woman, as a wife, as everything. Mm-hmm. And most of the pushback that I got when I started realizing my marriage was like not okay was from women mm-hmm. that were like, why would you, why would you leave him? Like, he's so nice. He's so nice to you. Nice guy doesn't cut it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then just, you know, <clears throat> and from the people in my life that put me in that box that wanted to keep me there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't want to stay there. I can't accept myself for who I am right now. I don't like this person that I am. But it's almost like those people that put you in the box or gave you the suggestion or the the um, directions to get into the box mm-hmm. <laughs> needed you to be in the box for their own stuff, for their own safety. Like if Sarah's in this box, you know, then I feel it's like we play this role, but like the role that we play looks different depending on what lens it's being looked through. So like whether, you know, you're a villain or a hero in someone's Mm -hmm. story, um, is he 
or irrelevant to mm-hmm. who we are, who we see ourselves are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as. See ourselves as. Who we see ourselves as, right? Yeah. So, um, and that, I think what happens too is like, so part of the reason we were talking about self-esteem and self-acceptance before is because other people's views and opinions of us mm-hmm. can affect our self-esteem because our self-esteem is based out of like our relation to who we are mm-hmm. among other people. Um, and we need, I think, reframe that. Mm-hmm. And our self-esteem comes from seeing who we are and what we think, you know, our self-worth is, but not based on what other people say it is. Exactly. Um, and accepting that. And accepting that. Yeah. yeah. And so again, accepting, I repeat this, I think this is probably the third time I've said this in this podcast, but acceptance is a verb. It is not a innate thing that just happens. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think we just you know, look at our entire life out, you know, laid out on paper and just say, okay, I'm going to accept this. Cause acceptance doesn't always mean that we like it. Mm-mm. Acceptance does not mean that we necessarily like who we are at certain times, but the beautiful thing is that we have the ability to change it. Mm-hmm. Change is hard. Change, mm-hmm. ta- change takes perseverance. It takes, it's an ongoing journey. It's a lifelong journey. So self-acceptance is not like a state of being like, oh, I've now become self-accept, you know, I accept yeah, myself. No. Like, it's a perpetual state of like. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's constantly being reevaluated. Yeah. And it's not something that comes natural to me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know too many people that it, I mean, if it does, do you please give me your secrets? <laughs> because That's I'd fun. love I to know. I think you're like really, you're really aware you're very, very good at it. I have to say, I, I, I like, I envy you a little bit and I definitely like look up to you in that regard when it comes to being mm-hmm. like able to seeing stuff. You're like, oh wait, no, that's my shit. Or like, oh no, that's this person's shit, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever the situation is. And then I definitely think that that has actually helped me in my own journey, mm. which is like, I mean, I remember, um, I started journaling, right? Like when I was like 27 and when I was like 30, 31 was when I realized that like my marriage was like not okay. And I specifically remember journaling. I like an anger. I did all the things I was told I was supposed to do. Mm. Why am I not happy? And, um, that was a huge part of my self-acceptance journey was like accepting that I've, not been myself the like who I actually am because I thought I if I spoke too loud or I was too loud or had my own opinions or whatever I wanted to do my own thing that I was somehow like losing value in mm. my role as a wife and stuff um and accepting that and and being willing to move forward being more myself mm. and in doing that like lost so many friendships mm-hmm. and relationships but if I didn't find you, if the universe didn't bring me you and the universe didn't bring me all of our soul sisters and my therapist and other people in my life that are very self-aware and unwilling to self-reflect like you do, I don't think I would even be remotely where I am right now Mm, because everybody else was like sleepwalking and basing their value off of other people's opinions and ideas, Mm. like keeping up with the Joneses almost Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. no one wanted to reflect on their own shit. It was almost like, oh, I know that this thing's not okay, but. So I think um, you had said before about like, so self-acceptance, you were losing things in the journey. So I think the journey of self-acceptance, you are going to 
most likely lose mm. parts of yourself, mm-hmm. other people. Um, but what you're really doing is just making room for oh, yeah. all the sp- all the goodness, all the stuff that we're supposed to have, like all of the. Um, it's like once we clear clear uh, clear the room, if you will, or yeah. I think I use the hallway analogy yeah, before. Yeah, it's like the hallway thing. It's like the hallway thing. Yeah, like you're shutting one door and the other one hasn't opened yet. Um, so you're kind of sitting in this hallway of self acceptance. But self acceptance is being able to, and I feel like when I practice self acceptance, I'm so much more accepting of everybody else. Mm, absolutely. Like when I'm just like, yeah, back, like that's who you are, the good, the bad, the ugly, like, you know, all those things. And I can look at other people and have more empathy towards them Mm -hmm. in regards to either what they're going through. And rather than jumping to judgment, Mm -hmm. which is always just a form of my own judgment against myself, um, but rather than jumping to judgment, I can like see it like clearly, like it's like I'm looking at like it through a very different lens where I'm like, okay, this is, it's more like cause and effect. As opposed to like judgment or like you should or shouldn't be doing. It's more like if you do A, then B happens. And yeah. I don't know if I'm kind of like getting off track no, here. No, but no, because I think that that's valid. Mm-hmm. I, like I think a lot of being able to be self-aware and to reflect on things is when you're not shutting yourself, when you're actually using mm. fact, which is what acceptance is. And mm-hmm. I think having the fact of what self-acceptance is helps with your self-esteem overall. Because when you're self-aware of who you are, the things that trigger you, the things that make you excited, like all of the parts of yourself that make up who Becky is or who Sarah is. Um, and then it's easier to accept when there's like almost like foreign feelings and thoughts that come in mm. from like other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and to pivot. I, one of the things I was, <laughs> I was in the hot tub with my friend Greta and I realized that our entire 45 minute to an hour conversation was about reframing the the, our mind like we would talk about something that was upsetting to us and then we're like how can we reframe that or like the way that we were saying things how can it's almost like saying how can I accept that more I never would have done that like a year ago like my, I feel like my conversations four years ago were just like gossip and anger and like oh my god can you believe the language you know whatever um and now it's like okay, well, that's really shitty when the person did that or like, you know, but how can I reframe it so that it makes more sense to me and it doesn't hurt as much? And you're not taking it on. You're not taking right. on other people's stuff. Because it's other people's stuff. So I also think too, you were talking about feelings before. And so um, I always, what's the thing I always say to you? I'm like, feelings are not facts, yes. right? So yeah. just because we feel a certain way doesn't mean that it's true. So um, if someone is judging me, it doesn't feel good, but it doesn't mean that what they're saying is true. Right. Mm-hmm. So I also think too, um, our way of, so our, our feelings are navigated by our thoughts. Mm-hmm. And so what we think of ourselves navigates how we feel. Mm-hmm. I'm not a clinical psychologist. <laughs> no. I'm not, this is my own understanding yeah. of how this works. Take what you like and leave the rest. So it's my understanding, right? That what we think think of ourselves is how we feel about Mm -hmm. ourselves. So I think in order to get a really clear picture about who we are, we need to look at both the the positive and the negative and the pros and the cons Mm -hmm. to get an accurate picture. Mm -hmm. Because I think we can live like our feelings. We end up living in like either like I'm a piece of shit or like I'm in my ego where I'm like, oh my God, I'm the most amazing person ever. Right? So there's like... 
there's a duality there, but there's also like a middle ground where like when you're looking at both and you're not in, you know, ego and you're not in like, you know, self-sabotage mm-hmm. where you can just look at it and be like, okay, like this is what it is and I accept it mm-hmm. and I am going to live with it mm-hmm. and I am going to be, find a way to be okay with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I may not like it, mm-hmm. but I will... I will accept it. Yeah. Can I give you an example? Yes, please do. Um, my weight, a hundred percent. It was, um, I mean, I've literally done diets my entire life. Like, and when the pandemic started, I was currently going to CrossFit and I was dieting again. I was a like fitness coach for four years and I worked out religiously for four years, weighed myself every day. It was so bad for me mentally. Um, I have an eating disorder. I'm a binger. Um, anyway, the only way that I was able to accept the fact that I'm a fat girl was to actually like see myself for who I am and be like, that's me. And I like, one of the things with weight loss and the diet culture is the consistency of always thinking I will be happy when, mm. when I can fit into this black dress, when I can fit to the size, I will be happy when, and then you get there and you're fucking miserable because like you've been starving yourself, working out until like you were blue in the face and like it wasn't fully satisfying you because you weren't accepting yourself like Mm. throughout that entire journey Mm -hmm. um and diet culture is a false like narrative entirely perpetuated by men but that's a story for another day um but anyway so I purchased a dress for our wedding at the time that I went dress shopping, dress shopping for a plus size woman sucks. Sorry, it does. It just is awful, especially specifically for brides. Um, but it, bridal shopping in general, like for bridal gowns, is two sizes above normal size. So I'm usually a size 18. I go into the bridal shop. They're like, well, we have to put you in a 22. So even if you're a size four or six, like hearing that is defeating because we've been tied to a number like that, you know. And I've actually had conversations with bridal boutiques like bridal shops and they say that like even smaller girls actually struggle more than plus size women when they hear that number like mm, like immediate shame like immediate like what I've never fit into that size my entire life like that kind of thing anyway so I went to try my dress I knew I wanted a particular dress because I didn't want anything traditional and the designer that I found only went up to a size UK 16 which is like a US 12 or something like that um which I'm not nowhere near that um anyway so I ended up they the the dress designer ended up um, making a dress and the dress I wanted into UK 20 but at the time that I ordered the dress I was too big like I was one like two inches too big for the dress does that make sense Mm -hmm. so I'm like all right I'm gonna do this I'm not gonna force myself to work out I just know that I'm just gonna start being smarter with the way I eat because I broke up with diet culture I've been doing intuitive eating now for almost two years and I'm just gonna feel this one out and if I don't fit in the dress I'm not gonna hate myself I'm going to accept myself for who I am as I am now and I'm not gonna like punish my body into fitting into this dress I'm not gonna do it the day comes, the dress comes in, I go in. I'm nervous as hell, by the way. All my friends were there. Sarah, you're gonna be fine. It's great. You're gonna be fine. <laughs> the dress is too big. So the dress ends up being too big. So I ended up losing weight, which I didn't know because I don't weigh myself. But I, like, it was almost, it wasn't even like it was a huge sigh of relief. It was more like excitement because I was able to accept my body for the way that I am now in order for me to feel even more comfortable being in that dress. I wasn't trying to view myself in a certain 
a different way in order for me to be comfortable in the dress. Does you that make putting sense? an expectation on yourself. I was not, no. And like <laughs> the only, I, this is the first time I've not, I haven't dieted since I was like 18 mm. and it's been so long and I finally accept myself. Like, it's almost like I can look in the mirror when I'm wearing like a crop top or like a bathing suit and be like, yeah, I'm hot as hell. Mm-hmm. And the, I never would have gotten there if I didn't start accepting myself. And I think that's what one thing that women struggle with in general, like the diet culture is steeped in like not accepting yourself ever until mm-hmm. you're a certain look a certain way. Well, I also think the diet culture is parallel to like the beauty culture where it's like mm-hmm. if you buy this, then you'll look good. Or if you inject this, then you'll look mm-hmm. good. Or if you lose weight, you'll look good. So it's always just modifying what you already are which what you already are is innately beautiful you don't need any of the products you don't need any of the Mm -hmm. diets you don't need it to buy I think it it comes from this place of like you know capitalism where it's like you need to buy these Mm -hmm. things to be you know um to be beautiful Mm -hmm. where it's just the complete opposite it's like you already are beautiful and I don't think there's anything wrong with like you know I wear mascara. Yeah. I wear <laughs> like, makeup. I can do like a full fucking face of makeup. Yes. Like, yeah. So it's not that I'm necessarily knocking it, but I'm no. just saying take it all with a grain of salt. Yeah. Right. So. It's like, but it's about accepting yourself as you are. Yeah. Which we're literally, it's shoved down our throats all the time not to. Like you said, mm-hmm. marketing is just deceitful in mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. Like, why aren't you doing this? And why? Aren't, and then influencers too. There's just like this constant shove. The biggest, um, slap in the face we can give to um the patriarchy and also to um oh my god what's the word capitalism Mm -hmm. it's just accepting ourselves for who we are Mm -hmm. like they don't know what to do with that Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, and I think that that's frowned upon (laughs) oh absolutely or definitely um I think that there's more and more women coming out and especially on um, platforms like TikTok or, you know, Instagram or whatever, that a lot of people are really coming out more and more and saying like, no, this, this perfectionism, this look of perfectionism is not real. Mm -hmm. This is not reality. So I love that these women who are like, you know, taking pictures of their post baby bodies Mm -hmm. and being like, you know, this is actually what it looks like. And Sarah, since we're kind of on the topic of not just self-acceptance, but bodies, accepting our bodies. I remember when I was pregnant with May and I had gestational diabetes and I just, I had to change my whole eating habits and all, all of that kind of thing anyway. And I was saying something about fitting back into my pants afterwards. And you're like, girl, your body's never gonna be the same. And I just remember being like, yeah, but like, I'm going to work out and then it'll like go back. Cause like, you know, looking on Instagram, like these women who like mm-hmm. carry these babies and then they're like back to like size zeros, but they're also like, you know, personal trainers or there's photo imaging, photo shopping, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. So there's like a lot of like, not, that's not really real. No. Right. So, um, anyway, I just remember like, okay. So then it was like, uh, I, I've never been over my BMI mm-hmm. and that's kind of always my, I know how you feel about BMI. That's kind of your BMI like, is actually steeped in misogyny, but it's fine. It is. It's- it is. Um, but that's kind of always how I've gauged my health, if you will. But again, that's also been tainted as well. So here I am thinking, I'm like, oh, I'm going by my BMI. So it must be good. Right. But even that is not necessarily, you know, not a measurement, not a measurement. I think learning to measure like your health and your acceptance by your own by your own way. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like, I am definitely not promoting like, oh, if you're like bigger girl or something, just like eat whatever the heck you want or just do whatever the heck you want. Like, no, like I think within reason, but like, then there's like eating within reason. And then there's like diet culture, which I believe is 
has a lot to do with the binging and the purging and the, all mm-hmm. the things, everything, anything done in an extreme mm-hmm. is not healthy in my opinion. And that's right. kind of how I always gauge for me personally, like what's healthy and what's not, if it's an extreme, but anyway, coming back to, um, body image and I, my daughter's now two, and I've really come to like, um, you call it a fupa. You're like, <laughs> every do. mama has a fupa. But then I started reading like this, like, I don't know, science thing or something. And it had something along the lines of like a woman's body is meant to have more body fat than a man. Um, and there are a variety of reasons why, and you can go online and look those reasons up. So I'm like, Oh, like I'm supposed to have like a little extra something here. Yeah. Like, Oh, like, and I would say, so after, um, I had gotten divorced, I, the, but only divorced once I had lost a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. I had lost like a, a lot, like, I mean, I was down to like, you know, Victoria's Secret size, you know, I think I actually got down to like a two. And by the way, I'm like five, eight. So I'm like a tall girl. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was to the point, but I got a lot of really positive attention Mm. for it. Yep. I've been on both ends of that spectrum. Yeah. So I'm like, so I've always really wrapped up like, Oh, like I was the most beautiful when Mm -hmm. I was practically Mm -hmm. anorexic by whose standards. Right. But other my- people, the other people were expect- accepting you. But did you enjoy that? I didn't. I was the most miserable I've mm-hmm. ever been in my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that was like the start of my self-acceptance journey. Mm-hmm. But here I am and I'm like, oh, so like I'm beautiful because I don't eat. And why mm-hmm. don't I eat? Because I'm anxiety ridden mm-hmm. and I'm not mentally and physically okay. So it's like, you know, um, that by any means is not something I want to accept. Right. I don't want to accept that. But now the Becky who's married and comfortable and I do like, I don't necessarily work out, but I do live on a homestead. So we will walk the trails. I will walk the dogs. I will, you know, I'm pretty much active for the most part. I take my daughter to swim lessons and, you know, I'm conscious of what I eat. And, you know, we, my husband and I both prefer to eat on the healthy side and we do like to binge. Like, you know, last night we went and got margaritas and tacos. Like, you know, we still do those things, but Um, just not anything that's in an extreme. So anyway, I, for me, that's where I feel comfortable accepting. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, I don't, but even though if I do like, you know, have a binge or something, right. Um, and I don't even think you necessarily need to be considered in like, OA to like binge, like it may not be like an all the time thing. Like I think, I don't even think people realize they're doing it. Yeah. I, think, I didn't even realize I was doing it. And yeah. then I'm like, holy shit, I've been doing it my whole fucking life. Yeah. It's like, to- mm-hmm. it's just like, it's on such a subconscious level, but like, okay. So for example, let's just say like, um, you know, there's lots of sweets around, it's the holidays, whatever. And it's like, I indulge. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, can I accept that? Can I accept that? You know, it's, can I justify it? Cause it's a holiday, but what if I do it when it's not a holiday mm-hmm. and I'm just like having a really stressful week. And I'm just like, oh, that chocolate bar looks really, really good. Am I just going to judge the crap out of myself for it? Or am I just going to accept like that's where I was in that moment? Mm-hmm. And then, but where's the the line between, you know, um, like accepting, but then also wanting to improve it, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like rather than just accepting and being like, oh, like, so like you're always working out. You're always super active. You eat really good for the most part, especially when like we're together and stuff. Um and you're a plus size woman, right? Yeah. Um, but you do all the things, right? So like you yeah, are like help. sometimes, yeah. I mean, I feel like first of all, I'm the fattest I've ever been, and I've never accepted myself more. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but um, I haven't worked out in a really long time, and I, I'm finally listening to my body, and I think that's part of like the whole intuitive eating mm. portion. Mm-hmm. I'm like 
I'm, I no longer want to beat my body into submission because it's what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that I was always working out for those reasons, but I, everyone's see everyone's journey is different when it comes to health. And like, we don't know what people are going through. And I think my biggest issue with a lot of that culture and under like people, you know, you have to eat healthier, be more conscious of what you're eating. Although like, you don't know what someone's eating. You don't know what they're going through and why they're there. You don't, some people that are plus size are plus size, be, nothing to do with what they're eating or whether or not they're working out, you mm-hmm. know, like, mm-hmm. uh, like, the notion and idea that plus size means unhealthy is bullshit. Mm-hmm. It literally is bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't remember where I was going with that. <clears throat> no, I think that what I was trying, the point that I was trying to make is that like when we look at ourselves and I think I was trying to use diet as an example, but it really can be relative to like any aspect of yourself that you don't particularly, that you would like to change. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, for me, accepting is like, okay, say someone's like drinking too much, right? And they're just like, okay, I'm drinking too much. This is too, you know, I should really back off of it. Mm. Um, it's not, I'm not saying acceptance is necessarily, there's like healthy acceptance, yeah, right? Where you're like, okay, this probably isn't good. Maybe yeah. I need to like cut back or go talk to somebody or like something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's just like, oh, I'm just going to indulge and do whatever I want. Yeah. I, I think being aware look, it goes back to self-awareness. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't realize that I was a binger until like this summer. And I specifically remember calling you in tears, like crying. Mm-hmm. And I was like, if I don't stop food, it's going to kill me. Like I'm, mm-hmm. it's going to kill me. Um, and I think if you're aware of that, like, uh, is an affliction, the right word, an addiction mm-hmm. in that sort of sense with alcohol, drugs, smoking, marijuana, like, any of those things, food, food, any of those sex, whatever, mm-hmm. like being aware of those things and, and making steps, but also knowing that all of these things are part of a journey. Mm-hmm. It's ne- if you're addicted to something, it's never ending. Mm-hmm. Like it never like goes away. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. So like that is a really good point. So like if you are in like at a level of addiction or a vice that's going to eventually kill you, which is basically what addiction is. Right. Yeah. Um, so then it's like accepting that you have this problem, mm-hmm. but then also accepting that you have to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And you might fall off the wagon and all of those things might happen. And can you still love yourself when you fall off the wagon? Yes. And accept yourself. That's and- the hardest thing I think is loving yourself through the tough shit, mm-hmm. like through the things that you never thought that it would be a problem for you or the stuff that like where you see yourself differently than in, in a harsh way. Mm-hmm. But also for me, I don't know if it's the same for you with the self-acceptance journey. A lot of the times when I'm hating on myself and I'm having a hard time seeing myself in a positive light, it's realizing that that narrative that I'm not seeing myself in the, the tape is not mine. And mm-hmm. it never was mm-hmm. like, where, where did we believe that being skinny was healthy? Mm-hmm. Who taught us that? Where did we believe that food, food was good or bad? Food isn't good or bad. It's mm. innate or whatever the word is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all, all that stuff. Like, where did we learn these things? And almost like unlearning. Like, so your self-acceptance and, and self-esteem journey is almost unlearning the things that you were taught. Mm, unlearning the learning. Yeah. Mm. And I think that applies to, I love that you just... Um, used food as an example but again just applying that to like other things so like alcohol food um I don't know um sex uh Mm -hmm. religion whatever drugs Mm -hmm. those things in and of themselves aren't good or bad Mm -hmm. it's what we do with them yes right Mm -hmm. um and so 
a belief system isn't good or bad, mm-hmm. but it's what we do with it. Exactly. Yeah. It's how we use it and how it mm-hmm. affects other people, I think, mm-hmm. and how it affects ourselves. Mm-hmm. And um, un- unlearning and realizing who you are, but like unlearning the things that you knew and the beliefs that you had is probably one of the hardest journeys ever. Mm-hmm. The healing journey. Mm-hmm. And the beginning of the healing journey begins at the self-acceptance mm-hmm. of who you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I love that. Um, let's see. I'm going to take a peek at my bullet notes over here. <laughs> Sarah's like, oh, God, there she goes no, again. No, 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 You're fine. Go ahead. Okay. So, um, ooh, this is a good question. How can you tell if you have low self-acceptance? Um, <laughs> that's actually a good question. Um, I think seeing something within yourself and – not wanting to either admit that that's a thing, but that's minimizing, uh, minimizing, um, and ignoring mm-hmm. like, like denial is not a river in Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's amazing. <laughs> no, but- like so we're gonna have an intro and outro for Sarah's soapbox talk and now we also like (laughs) this is why we're friends we sing song um yeah no denial is not self-acceptance at all and denial is so much easier than actually like walking through it Mm. oh I don't have a problem with alcohol it's fine I only I have like two glasses of wine a night it's no big deal Mm -hmm. every night yeah it's just because I had a hard day at work Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I just am taking this Tylenol in the morning not for my mini hangover but really just because you know Tylenol is good for you yeah yeah. Uh, yeah. What do you mean? I have sugary stuff in the cupboard and I just wait till everybody's sleeping before I eat it. Mm-hmm. That was me. Yeah. Like all the things, right? All the stuff. Um, so I think we're coming to the end of our, our podcast here, but I would love to end with this note as a positive note. I always yeah. like to try to end with a positive note if possible. So what are some ways to develop better self-acceptance? Oh, mm. I think having a partner, a friend, a, someone to be a barometer, is that the right word? Mm. Um, to kind of, I mean, yes, of course, with self-acceptance, it needs to be from you. But I think also having someone that knows you very well, that is mm. that you feel very safe with, to kind of have those conversations with. I don't even know how many times we've had conversations where I'm like, Becky, am I being crazy right now? Like, I just mm-hmm. need to know, like, from your perspective, am I off my rocker so I think also too when you're I think what I'm hearing you say is create community Mm -hmm. um and surround yourself with people not who are sometimes surrounding yourself with like-minded people if you're not in the greatest place is maybe not the ideal situation but I think if um surrounding yourself with people that you aspire to be or that people that motivate you or you know I think that's a start but also like therapy I am such like a I mean therapy for me is really a place where I can look deep in and not have like fear of judgment like Mm -hmm. you know because people who are in my life whether it be family or friends do have some level of um, attachment to whatever it is that I'm going through whereas therapy there is no level of attachment Mm -hmm. like it is just really looking at things for what they are Mm -hmm. so um and, and for me, therapy isn't necessarily something I live in. Like, I don't go to a therapist 24-7. It's when I'm going through really hard times in my life that I can call upon mm-hmm. someone and say, like, hey, like, I'm in this situation or, you know, something's reoccurring again. Um, 
that I can really, you know, get some like professional help. And I also think too, in getting professional help, find, making sure you find someone who is a good therapist. Cause there's yes. some therapists out there that can really do some damage, right. um, that can do more hurt than help. Um, so really kind of doing your research on that. You have to date them. Yeah. Like you kind of have to like, first of all, you need to figure out what kind of therapist you're in need for. Do you need a friend that's just going to talk to you? Do you need someone that's going to work with things through you? Do you need someone that's going to like literally dive into the trenches with you and help you through it? Um, but don't date them. Like if, if you go to a few sessions and you feel uncomfortable and it doesn't feel like it's clicking, go find somebody else. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. will find your people. Yeah. And there are tons of like online resources for that as well. Cause I know that like in our area specifically, therapists are like, long wait line. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, we can link that in the description. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I guess, um, taking a dive into looking at your ins and outs and goods and bads is not necessarily a journey we should be taking alone because, um, what's that, what's that saying? It's like, you know, the, the same, the, the mind that came up with the problem is not going to be the same mind that comes up with the solution. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I mean, you've probably wrote a pros and cons list of like a partner before, right? I don't know. Oh yeah. So do that for yourself. Yeah. (laughs) Like literally write a pros and cons list and think Mm -hmm. about those things and maybe even ask people that are close to you that you feel safe with. Like, is there something that within our relationship that, you wish mm-hmm. was different or that you liked whatever mm-hmm. like kind of a a safe person yeah safe person please do not ask someone that makes you feel uneasy or someone who's you know gossipy or, or, or any of those yeah. things yeah okay but you know use your judgment yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway um i hope that you guys listening today were able to take away a little something from mm-hmm. sarah and i's conversation about self-acceptance and how self-acceptance is a piece of one of the many puzzle pieces in regards to being a woman. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks for joining us today and uh, we will see you guys next week. Yep. Have a good week guys. Bye. Adios.